Welcome to the Work Research Revolution. I'm here today with Dr. Alan Watkins. Hi, Cara. Hi, Alan. Good to have Hi. you. So Alan is a physician and a neuroscientist, and he's recognized and seen as an international expert on leadership and human performance. He's the author of 10 books, has done five TED Talks, and the founder of Complete Coherence. And Alan also wrote the book, Wicked and Wise, How to Solve the World's Toughest Problems. Welcome. Well, lovely to be here, and I'm looking forward to uh, our chat. Thank you so much. And well, I started the Work Reset Revolution to help inspire people to change the way we work. And in all our scientific research, we're beginning to see climate anxiety seep into the workplace, along with the trauma from the last few years, which are contributing to higher risks of burnout. So we have dedicated this podcast series to climate well-being, our own well-being, the action we can take to help the planet collectively and individually. And at Softer Success, we're on a mission to help people have the right energy to look after the environment. And that means changing the way we work, think and live. So, Alan, I wanted to ask you as the first question, what do you think at the moment are the biggest challenges that organisations are facing? Um, I think they're addicted to task. So <laughs> when we go around uh, the world and talk to CEOs and the C-suite, we often start with an exercise of just explain to me what's on your plate. And let's imagine we have a, um, a, a, an exec board of 10 people and they throw up 100 post-its. What we discover is 85 of those post-its are tasks, short-term short tasks, goals, metrics, the levers that they need to pull to you know, drive the top line and the bottom line of their business. And it's kind of understandable um, you know, they're focused on that because that's why they've been hired and also why they get fired. So it draws the attention, the short-term levers of driving the business forward. And then you get about five post-its uh, about the future. Um, they're looking, you know, their heads out of the weeds momentarily. They're thinking strategically for a moment or they wonder about the company purpose or the company ambition or vision and so on. And then you get a few post-its uh, one or two occasionally think about issues of culture, um, the interpersonal world, about the company values and how we work together and the team dynamics, which they've observed isn't great. And then you get no post-its at all, usually, about the inner life of the individual. So there are these three dimensions, as we would call it, the dimension of it. What is it that we're doing um, and that comes in a short-term and long-term version. And then there's the we, the interpersonal world of relating, and then the inner world of being. So I, we, and it. And most leaders today have what we call an it addiction. So the first task when we're working with leaders is to help them understand that they're it addicted. And they see it very clearly. They have this flurry of post-its on short-term it, a few long-term it, a couple in the we, and zero in the I, which is kind of ironic, uh, Cara, because as I point out, leadership, and you're the leaders of this company, should start with I, mm. right? Yeah. And you've got no post-its in that area. That's so That's interesting, fun. isn't it? Mm. And so we sit more in the it doing than the being. Yeah. Um, so that leads me to my next question, actually. So in your opinion, what are the solutions to these challenges that these the, the organizations are facing? Well, 
First of all, it's a wake up. You've got to wake up to the fact that we're, it's addicted. And rather ironically, um, when you say, well, look, you want the world's changing very quickly and you want to move faster. You want to be more agile and more dynamic and respond and pivot to changing economic circumstances. Yeah, yeah, that's what we want. Um, so imagine this as a neuroscientist. I could show you today how to treble the speed of your thinking so you could think three times faster than you've ever thought in your entire life. Would that be useful? Oh, my goodness, that would be fantastic. And I'm going to teach you as a neuroscientist how to quadruple the quality of your thoughts. Would that be useful? Oh, my God, that would be game changing. OK, so let's talk about that. How do we treble the quality and quadruple, sorry, treble the speed and quadruple the quality? So when was the last time you had a meeting with yourself to figure out how to treble the speed and quadruple the quality? And the leaders go, what, what do you mean a meeting with myself? Well, when you sat down in your office on your own to figure out how you accelerate yourself. Oh, I don't have meetings with myself. Why not? Too busy doing things. Yeah. And it, therein yeah. lies the problem. So until they wake up, the very acceleration that they seek is actually starts with them. And if they never contemplate what that would take, of course, they never unlock that acceleration. And they keep focusing on the tiny half a percent or quarter of a percent acceleration in the it world and the game-changing acceleration which is the acceleration of their own mind and the expansion of their own mind receives very little attention at all so it always starts with the inner work right so of the course, inner yeah. work first and then the outer work that's something that we often also say at softer success um so i'd love to hear a little bit more about uh, in your book um wicked and wise you talk about um you know, that solving the world's toughest problems. Could you expand a little bit on that? And also, I think you're writing a new book at the moment as well. So maybe you'd like to tell us a bit about that too. Well, I've, I've got two books on the go this year. I try and write one or two a year. Um, so, uh, well, first of all, Wicked and Wise, uh, this really started, um, and, and hopefully many listeners will resonate with this. I was watching the news and uh, yet another item on the failing NHS. And of course, it's quite appropriate at this point because we're on strike duty uh, <laughs> and so on. Um, and, and I thought this, this is very interesting because I've literally heard this news item every day of my life for the last 20 years. So in a world that where everything's changing, this thing never changes. Like I've heard this exact item for years and years and it never seems to improve. Then I got curious about that and I started digging into that. Anyway, long story short, it turns out these issues which are seemingly intractable are called, it's an academic term, wicked issues. They're not wicked in the sense of evil, but wicked in the sense of super complex and seemingly intractable. So I wrote the book Wicked, you know, and there are 12, you know, there are many, many wicked issues, but 12 big ones, uh, wicked and wise is there a wise way of approaching these issues that if you approach them with some wisdom, you could break through any one of these issues, whether it's climate change or healthcare or education? One of the books I'm writing this year is about education, the global food industry. I wrote a book on that. So actually, there's a template which you, if you apply, you could solve any of these world's toughest problems, but it requires you to understand the nature of what a wicked issue really is. And if you allow me, I'm just going to give you the six characteristics. Yes, please. So 
every wicked issue, whether it's criminal justice. Uh, so, for example, if you look at that issue, uh, the uh, America has 5% of the global population, but 25% of the prison population. I mean, there's something profoundly wrong with the criminal justice system in America and in many other countries. So um, the six characteristics uh, of all wicked issues, whether it's criminal justice, poverty, climate change, healthcare, whatever it is, uh, are number one, they are multidimensional, which means there's an I, a we, and an it dimension to them. And if you yeah. just focus on climate change, like at COP26, for example, uh, one of my most recent TED talk was at the week after COP26 in Glasgow, you know, what they didn't tell you at COP26, all of COP26 was about the it technology, carbon capture and storage, wind farms, nuclear, whatever it was, but there was no conversations at COP26 about the I and the we, you know, which is where's the leadership courage to stand out and take a stand? And where's the collaborative capability, you know, to actually agree across industry? But no conversations about that, all about it. Mm. So all wicked issues are multidimensional. There are multiple causes to these wicked issues. They're complicated. They have multiple symptoms. They all have multiple stakeholders, all of which have a different view about the problem and the answer. Uh, and because there's multiple causes and multiple stakeholders, they need multiple solutions. And to make matters worse, just when you think you're getting a grip of it, it's constantly evolving. So all wicked uh, issues have these six characteristics. And in the book, Wicked and Wise, we use climate change as an example and dig into this how do you actually get a grip and actually make some progress? Now, if we understood that, we'd actually solve the problem of the NHS. But of course, the powers that be are taking very point approaches or parochial answers to a systemic or systems problem. And there's a lack of sophistication in even understanding the problem, let alone generating solutions. So I think there's that, that's super interesting. And I think what what I find here is that it seems that m many people, like our collective consciousness and the, the sort of inner wisdom that everybody really has, is currently blocked by by fear and uncertainty and 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 lack. And you know, deep down, many people do have the the answer, or or a co contribute to, are able to contribute to the answer, but um, are not able to sort of connect with that. If that makes sense. Well, that, that is part of what goes wrong. In the, in the multidimensional nature, the connecting effectively with each other is part of the problem, is we're just not very good at collaborating. Um, and, and in fact, um, the um, Competition and Markets Authority actually stops companies collaborating because they're concerned that companies, when they start talking to each other, will collude and fix the market. Which is kind of interesting because, you know, in, in my head, I'm going, well, wow, if you can't tell the difference between collaboration and collusion, you know, you're not very sophisticated. Uh, surely there's a way of enabling uh, companies across companies to deal with industry wide issues rather than laying down the law saying, oh, you mustn't talk to each other. Well, how will the system ever improve if the Competition and Markets Authority prevent? conversation and collaborative effort. I mean, that's actually the regulator stopping collaborative effort from happening. Yeah. So we're in the wrong place. 
if we are unable to collaborate and we've got regulators who are blocking collaboration. Um, so we've really got to get a lot better in our ability to collaborate with each other. Uh, and human beings, in, in terms of our own evolution, we're just not great at that. I mean, 50% divorce rate. You know, the person you choose to spend your life with, most people end up, it, it fractures. So we've got to get better at, you know, working in partnership and collaborating with each other. And that's a major source of, you know, slowing down and, and, and a major obstacle to real progress. Yeah. So it's collaboration and bringing together communities as well. Um, so my final question to you would be then, in, in your opinion, what does a work research revolution mean and look like to you? Um, well, I think it's got an eye problem, an inner world of maturity and sophistication and relationship, as I've just been talking about, uh, a we problem as well as an it problem. So once we wake up to the fact that this, all of our problems have an I, we and it dimension, so all of the solutions will need an I, we and it dimension to the solution. So once we've woken up, we have to, as human beings, grow up. We have to grow up as individuals. We have to become more mature, more sophisticated as human beings, not human doings, more sophisticated human beings who can collaborate more effectively. So if we become more mature individuals and we start to collaborate more effectively with each other, then we have a chance of solving the it problems in the world. So that's what I think is required to move us forward, wake up and grow up, uh, mm -hmm. and become more sophisticated in the I, the we, and the it. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Alan. Um, all the listeners, uh, I'm sure, will really appreciate this, and we'll be sharing Alan's details and links to his book at the bottom of the podcast. So thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure, Karen. Thank you for listening to The Work Reset Revolution. I'd like to know what has been your biggest takeaway from this conversation. As a next step, share this episode with anyone that you think may benefit. Follow us on LinkedIn at Softer Success for more inspiration to change the way we work and contact us at info at to find out more about our burnout assessment tool. If you have any feedback on how to improve, please do reach out to me as I'm always keen to learn more. Thank you so much for listening and we'll meet again on the next episode of Work Reset Revolution.